How to grow listenership to your podcast show? How will IAB V2 podcast metric standard certification impact your show? And who is the product when an online service is free? Well, welcome to the Speaker Live Show. This is episode 163 for August 22nd, 2018. And sorry about missing you last week, but uh, we're, we're back in the saddle again. And my name is Rob Greenlee. And I have a new role at the company uh, of VoxNest Spreaker, and I'm now the VP of Podcaster Relations over there now. We've uh, we've gone out and hired a few new people, and, and they're going to be starting up in the company really soon. And the whole partnership side is going to be taken over from you know by someone else. So I'm going to be full-time focused on podcasters and working with podcasters and and helping them out and get them on the platforms, answer their questions, all that kind of stuff. So, and then it's, it's really, for me, it's just kind of continuing to do what I've been doing all along where I was kind of having to do the partnership stuff in addition to that. So now, now my plate is a little bit more open to, to work with podcasters, which is what I love to do. But, uh, thanks for downloading us and clicking play to hear us today. I'm joined again by my co-host, Mr. Alex Exum, who's the host of Live Talk and the Exum Experience podcast on Spreaker. Um, Alex, thanks for joining the show. Well, thank you, Rob. Thanks for the uh, pleasure for the live talk as well. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you know, it's something that you're you're doing aggressively and on a regular basis. It's pretty awesome that you're taking advantage of that live capability on Spreaker, and I think it's terrific. It's fun. You know, we have a lot of engagement in the chat and we have a, a growing little uh, community there. So it's a lot of fun and I'm glad it's it's working out. It's different than the traditional podcast, obviously, because it's live. So it takes a little getting used to, but I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. Once yeah. I get all the um, the kind of kinks worked out with the call-ins, like, you know, that's the only issue I've really been having is making sure that everyone can call in and it, it's it's all synced up. As you know, we have issues with Skype from time to time. Oh, so sure. I've been um, using Google Hangouts. I tried that. Eh, you know, mediocre results. The audio quality is not that good. Um, but just using other options. So a lot of, I don't know if a side issue, but Spreaker uh, users and Spreaker Studio users might not know that you can use other options with than Skype with the VB audio cable because you can use it with, Mm -hmm. Discord, and you can use it with Google Hangouts. I will say there's varying levels of audio quality, so you got to play with them and see which one works best for you. But mm -hmm. that's what I've been doing. So hopefully, Rob, I know this is a long way around a plug that you gave me, but yeah, hopefully right. we'll have the audio quality and the call-ins a little bit better on Live Talk for people who've been in there. But I appreciate the plug, and uh, it's it's going strong. I like it, Rob. You know, And that's what's unique to Spreaker, too. Another plug for Spreaker here is that mm -hmm. where else can you go live? I mean, nobody yeah, else allows you right. to do that. And and we're actually focused on kind of those two areas, too. I know that the team has been thinking about how do we include, you know, like in our frequently asked questions area on on the site about how to um, how to use other um, audio recording platforms with, with Spreaker. Because really that virtual sound card that uh, you install with Spreaker Studio actually will work with a lot of other um, kind of live streaming or uh, online recording applications and tools out there is because it is basically a sound card. It's like a second count, second sound card for your computer. So, um, it's, it's fairly versatile, but, but you're right. I, I think certain platforms, um, uh, are compatible with it 
you know, in greater and less degrees to some degree, depending on the drivers that they're using or however technology that they're plugging into that. But, um, but yeah, it's a lot more versatile than I think what we've been putting out there about it, that it only works with Hangouts and Skype. I think it'll work a lot more. And we don't because I know we talk about Spreaker Studio a lot, but I mean, this is the Spreaker live show. So we could, I guess, maybe talk about at some future date. This is, now we're getting in the weeds here, but yeah. virtual DJ and mix, M-I-X-X-X. And these are mixes free. Virtual DJ, they have a free and a paid version. But these are like that's more geared towards DJs, I guess, who spin music, which Spreaker doesn't have a lot of because of licensing issues. But yeah. you can use it to do a virtual radio station. So you could be a, you know. I've seen some of these radio stations that use Spreaker, and I yeah. wonder when they're doing the live thing if they're using something like Mix or Virtual DJ or something else. There's yeah. a, the, you could use a ton, right, as long as you're able to input that stream. Input the stream? Yes, input mm-hmm. the uh, the Spreaker stream, your, yeah. your username and password and all that stuff so you can pump it out to the system. But it's fantastic stuff. So it's like I'm playing with all this now. Again, sometimes I get locked into and we all do because we're used to using either an app or Spreaker Studio and we forget, you know, maybe I should just try some of these other options because you can do a lot of really fun stuff. And yeah. especially if you have multiple people, Rob, I think it's good to use maybe one of those other platforms. Okay, I'm done. I'm yeah, done. Well, it's, it's just fine. did a whole nother show. Well, also that, that live capability in a lot of a lot of our users probably don't realize this, but uh, we give you the ability to use other third-party production and streaming tools, too, with the with your account, right? So you don't have to use Spreaker Studio. There are right. third-party apps out there that I, on a regular basis, I'll, I'll work with like a radio station that wants to wants to use their automation system. It's like a cart system almost where they can, they can put in um, tracks or... Um, you know, in this particular case, it would be like like a playlist almost into the sure. software, and it would kind of be more of an automation system where it would just play through a rotation. Now, some of that capability is built into Spreaker Studio where you can put in a, a playlist, and it will play through, and it'll go ahead and repeat that. So if you put enough episodes in there, you could make it a 24-hour um, stream, and it would just play back to back, back to back. You know, it's 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 really a fairly simple well, function. But some so, of these third party yeah. applications have a lot more capabilities too. You can play commercials. You can you can dub in. You can you can funnel in a live show if you want to into there, and then go back to an on demand kind of like a pre recorded playback experience. So there's a lot of capability beyond just Spreaker Studio that Spreaker will support. And, and that being said, I'm glad we brought this up. I will say this because I've used them all. I've used them all. Yeah. Okay, I've yeah. tried. I've played You've with tried every, everything, huh? <laughs> every software that you can use to broadcast live. We're talking live now, and I've used everything else. I've used yeah. Reaper. I've used every DAW, Audacity to Reaper, to, yeah. uh, Studio One, or you name it, Adobe. Actually, I, I've only used like I've used some online versions of audio editors too. You know what I mean? There's all sorts of stuff out there. Yeah. But when it comes to other software, like we're saying, I'm just using Virtual DJ and Mix as an example. There's plenty of others. You're pretty much with, and you'll, I think you'll back me up on this, Rob. You're pretty much going to be doing the same stuff that Spreaker Studio is allowing you to to do, right. and yeah. in fact, might lose some functionality. In other words, you might not have auto ducking. Some of them have it, some of them don't, yeah. and you might not be able to take calls. So if calls aren't a problem, and if we're talking radio stations, that could be a problem, right? Because they want to take calls. They have other ways of doing it, and they have hybrid systems and all this. But for the average user. 
you're not get like you said, you can do a playlist, you can have uh, pre-recorded audio and then switch back to live very quickly, right? Yep. By just muting your mic and going. So pretty much you can do all the same. Now, I just don't want people to go, oh, now I got to learn a whole nother thing. Well, you could learn these other things and there's a little, it's a little more robust, but you're not gaining a whole lot, right, Rob? I mean, it no, does, no. I mean, well, I mean, stuff. it's just fancier. That's the whole point of Spreaker Studio was to give those basic functions that most people like to use with their productions, make it simple to use and easy to use. Because a lot of these other third-party tools, as you know, Alex, are pretty complex. They have a pretty steep learning curve to them. You know, trying to get them configured, working right. I mean, you have to be a real serious geek. And I think what what we want to do here is make things as simple as possible. But to empower that content creator to have the tools that they need to be able to produce what they want, you know, and I think one of the, one of the weak spots, and I, I, I hope that the company is going to work on this is to make it easier to get uh, listeners to call into the application so we can get well, those people in there a little easier than how we're having to do it now. Okay. But I've, I've worked on, I know we're getting in the weeds again, but I got to say this because of the live talk show, it's not that hard. The first marathon show I did, it worked flawlessly, right? Flawlessly. Yeah. And it yeah. was only because I had the Skype number. Now I have a Google voice number, which you can use with Google Hangouts and people can call in that way. So the system works. Like, yeah. don't think it doesn't work. Like we had it work. I'm right. having issues on my end because of my setup. I, I found this out. It's my computer that's having issues with some of this. It's not the system because it was working before I had this computer issue. But if people want to do just about everything you can do on a radio station, you can do it in Spreaker Studio. I know because I mentioned these other yeah. products, people are going to go and download those and, and start and want to play with them. Like, oh, let me go check it out. I get it. But like, for example, Rob, I was just doing a voiceover the other day and I fired up Studio One. Now, I've been using Reaper and I use Audacity for little stuff, for, but for like voiceover stuff, I use the big guns, right? So I'll break out Reaper or I'll fire up um, – Studio One. I've been using Reaper so much, I didn't realize something got kajiggered wrong on my other uh, Studio One. Rob, you wouldn't believe what I went through trying to figure out what, like, just why isn't it working, right? All, all of a sudden, everything I export is clipping. So now I'm adjusting everything and input, and it was just, it's a total nightmare. So sometimes simple is better. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Because it I took mean, me an hour. Because it can be wrong. tough to do this as it is. You know, it, it's not easy to get everything set up and all your levels set and things like that. So you really have to be kind of serious about it, and you have to be committed to getting it to work and testing and trying out. Because it's it's not always the Spreaker software or the Spreaker platform that's the problem. It can be your local computer. It can be where where the internet issue connection. is or, or your internet connection that's certainly and there, there's lots of levels to that issue too so it's it's not so much i mean if you're on wi-fi if you're a wired connection uh how far you are away from your router there's just a lot of things that come into it and you have to um, kind of know what you're doing with it i mean unfortunately i'd love it to be so simple you know but computing is still not as simple as it needs to be hopefully in 20 years alex all this stuff will just magically work, you know, and not have to, I, I don't have to think about it. I, I, I just tell the computer, do that. I want to create a podcast and it'll just automatically go and set everything up for me. And then I can just come in and top a microphone. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing, Alex? Oh, podcasters, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, they kind of have it pretty easy, almost yeah, like that now. It's, Imagine it's going getting live. there. It's getting there. Well, I'm, I agree with I'm you. just saying, because yeah. I've done this to myself with this new show, going live and people realize, oh, I could do radio because I do a podcast. Uh, not so fast. It's an art. Right. And when you're online and something goes wrong, the call drops in their mid-sentence, the yeah. mic goes out, you don't know. 
it, it throws you off or in your and you, you know what I mean, Rob, by yeah. you're looking at the chat, anything can go wrong and it will totally throw off your train of thought. You can't remember what you were talking about. Now you're futzing around with the setting. The caller just dumped the, the call because they can't, you know, they got frustrated. Yeah, right. and, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're just, you just want to, you want to turn the show off. <laughs> you just say, I want to run away, hide under the desk. So it's a whole new world. Oh, it is. I mean, but that's exactly what the experience is. If you're in a radio station, I started doing this yes. in, a, in a radio station live and I, I had to manage the calls that were coming in and everything. And I, I had a board right in front of me. Now, granted, I did have a producer in the master studio that was taking all the mic inputs and funneling them in and out of commercial breaks and things like that. I didn't have to deal with the commercial breaks, but, but the whole aspect of bringing in a call and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you have to be multitasking. You have to be thinking about your production while you're actually doing the show itself. And that's what's um, challenging about this is that you, you, you have to be able to stay focused, but yet stay on track with your content, but yet manage stuff. And that's kind of what I have to do with this show is that I'm managing all the inputs from your input and, and just make sure everything is running, you know, play the intros and exits and all that kind of stuff while you're producing content. So you, it's really a skill that you have to hone over time and it doesn't, it doesn't come to you when you're born. You have to learn this stuff. Yeah, no, and yeah. you learn on the fly yeah. sometimes when it's all right. falling apart on air. Right. Um, <laughs> one other thing, because you made me think of it. Uh, I'm sure we've all heard someone who's on radio, and for whatever reason, the guest on the interview drops, right? They just the right. mic drops, the call drops, and yeah. the in, the host is just stuck. They don't know what to say. They either go to commercial yeah. Or repeat what they just said, and then they have to get them. They're talking to, hey, Jim, did you get him back on the line? All right, we're trying to get him back on the line. All right, can you get him on the line? Anyone get him on the line? No, he's not on the line yet. Because they yeah. have nowhere to go, right? And yeah, it's just exactly. they don't know what to do. And it's really – So, it's, it's so I had to actually – because that, that would happen all the time. I, uh, I would have guests that would need to call in during a commercial break, right? So I, I had them on the line. So when I came back from break, I could do that segment with them, right? Uh, and occasionally those guests wouldn't call. So it was like – right. Okay, I always had to have backup content, right? I always had to come to the show with more content than I was actually going to probably cover. Because if if the show went according to plan, <laughs> it was going to be fine. But I, I always had to have more. So just in case they didn't call, I had already pre-planned what I could talk about in that segment. So it almost forces you to double produce. And that was one of the, one of the reasons why... I ultimately wound up taking the whole show home to my home studio and pre-producing everything because then I could control everything. So if I didn't have a caller call in, um, I could just set it up for another time and have them call in and then I could, I could, uh, record it then and I wouldn't have to be live. So that's, that's one of the things with, with going live is you have to think about is how reliable are your co-hosts and your guests if you're expecting them to call in and, and that's that's one thing too that can be a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, but yeah, you better believe it. Yeah, exactly. But um, I, sh I should probably say we stream this show live every Wednesday at three p.m. Pacific, six p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com. So that's a great place to go listen to it live or get all of our on-demand episodes. We're also available in Google Podcasts app on Android. And Alex, I did hear about some announcement of a of a new app that's being worked on by Google for podcasts, not to make Google's participation in podcasting any more complicated than it already is. But uh, there's Google Play Podcasts, there's Google Podcasts, and now there's this new app that they're working on that's been leaked out there. I don't really know anything about it. I just read it in the online publications, but there's some other 
new app that they're working on. So, uh, well, are they schizophrenic over there? Why don't they just pick something and work on it? And I'm not, I'm so done with Google, uh, as we know, all know. But know, it's like it's pick one, man. It's like what is it right. now? Like they, now they've got three different places. You don't know where to go. Yeah. And so, is that another place I'm going to have to remove my podcast from? Wrong, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, I. I guess so. So well, anyway, you know what? Maybe it'll be an yeah. improvement on the other two because the, the other two were lackluster at best. Right, right. So I'm not really announcing anything that hasn't been in the 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 news already. So it's it's just they're one so of things. late to this game. There's, There's so no late to details about it. I mean, that's like me. Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rob. No, that's fine. No, there's really no no more details about it, but it is they're working on some some new initiative. But yeah, it would be great if they kind of shut the Google Play down and consolidated so their their efforts. Right? There's so many other better options. They're so late to the game. There's the yeah. Spreaker app. There's things like Castbox and all the others. Right? It's like there's so it's like if all of a sudden if Alex Exum wanted to get in this, the search engine game, right? And I started Exum.com and you do all your search results here. Forget Google. Like, come on, nobody. It's like it's done. They, they've they've locked that down, right? right? So it's like now they're coming in and they're like tiptoeing in, like and, and with all these different little platforms and like, oh, let's tip our. Don't go far in the deep end, but tip it over, you know, big toe over here and tip it over yeah, here. Right. And they got yeah. three different platforms. They don't know what they're doing, and I'm sure each one of these is being run by some schmuck who doesn't even have a podcast. Guarantee <laughs> he doesn't even have a podcast, but they're now in the podcasting game. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Well, in in speaking of uh, apps, uh, this show does have its own app on uh, Android and iOS. So you can, if you want to subscribe to the show on your own app on your Android or iOS device, uh, you can get that over there too. So and do me a favor, I'll, go check yeah. out the, the, the. Sorry, Rob, I'm sorry for ranting, no, but fine. do me a favor, uh, everybody out there who's already probably got it, but. If you haven't done it yet, do yourself a side-by-side comparison. Go try all three different of Google's platforms, right? And then download the Google app, that's Google, the Spreaker app. If you haven't already done it, and tell me which one you think is more pleasing and you can find things and it just flows better in your hand, right? right. And it doesn't look yeah. like Google's flipping search engine. I can find that by, you know, going to their search engine. <laughs> right. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> like, why are we recreating the wheel here? We've got better apps. Yeah, move that's on. true. Move yeah. on. Well, let's move on from the rant section of the show. <laughs> I didn't throw my pen. Well, well, though, I think we should probably create create a new segment at the top of the show. Is that the the Speaker Live Show rants segment? So that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's kind of it's kind of what happens. We kind of have to accept what's what happens on the show sometimes. We're, that, we're both you know, kind of like, outspoken individuals on various things. It has so. to come naturally, though. I can't pre-plan. Oh, that's true. That's true. It has to be more of an organic, organic experience, thing. right? Yes. Okay. Well, let's dive in and talk a little bit about uh, how to grow listeners to your show. I think one of the great things that you can do is make terrific content, right? Uh, that's entertaining, informative, never boring, um, hopefully, you know, it's, it's hard, Alex, and I don't know what you think about this topic, but, but the never boring thing has always been one of those, um, comments that I've heard, um, people say about, you know, radio shows and audio content and all sorts of stuff that you can't be boring, but what is the definition of boring Alex to you? I'll tell you because I hear a lot of boring podcasts. <laughs> a lot of the actual boring radio. No, I do. Um, I I just saw a podcast because I started looking into this because I think I shot my mouth off the other day on this very show, Speaker Live Show. 
saying that, yeah, Patreon, people don't make any money on Patreon, especially podcasts with very few. Well, I saw a guy that's making like $100,000 a month on Patreon from his podcast. And I said, what? And then I found another guy in the top. So I started looking at the top podcasters on Patreon that are making money. And then I listened to a few. Yeah. I'm impressed. And I'm like, these people are making a ton of money. How are they making money with these subpar podcasts? One of them, it sounded like three drunk guys, like just yammering over one another. You know, Rob, you and I may talk and it's usually I'm the biggest offender. Like I'll start too fast or you, you know, we think the other person stopped and we'll talk over each other briefly. And then we let the other person go. But we pretty much timed each other pretty well. We know when these guys were just all over each other. Like you couldn't really, it was just a, a cacophony of nonsense. And I'm right. like, I couldn't even follow it. And they're laughing at each other. And like, you hear drinks, like literally like drinks clinking in the background and stuff, like all this stuff. And I'm like, what? And this is making all this money and all these listeners. So one thing I will say, um, audio production and audio quality and all that is huge. It's like, you know, it's nice when one person speaks and you can see, you know, listen to who's hearing, who you're hearing and what they're, what they're saying. I was just, I couldn't believe these guys had so many listeners. Um, but authenticity, Rob, and we, I know we talk about this all the time, but recently I've been hearing this a lot. People here, here I'll give you a good example. Cause I just heard this recently. Somebody taking what is in the news, right? Cause it's the hot button news story. Like, let's say for example, today, like people are talking about, you know, uh, Manafort and, you know, he's guilty and all this stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. Trump's in trouble and, you know, who knows what's going to happen, all this stuff. Because that's the hot topic of the day, right? Yep. Personally, for me, like, I know every everyone I go to from Michael Savage to uh, the man who shall not be spoken about, Alex Jones and Rush yeah. Limbaugh and all every Bill Han, they're all going to be talking about it, right? Yeah. Guess who won't be talking about it? Alex Exum on the Exum experience. This is the only place I'll be talking about it. Why? It doesn't thrill me. It's a, I'm not very passionate about this. You know what I mean? I'm not passionate about a lawyer. By the way, people know what I think about lawyers. Not a big fan either. So like, yeah. I don't really care about some lawyer who's getting shafted on corruption charges and all this nonsense, right? Like, okay, good. All right. So they, they, mm-hmm. they outrouted corruption. Fine. But I'm not going to talk about that on my show. Because mm-hmm. I'm not really passionate about it and try, I don't really follow it. I don't know the legal system enough. I, I follow politics, but I don't know what he did if it's that outrageous like they're saying or if this is hype and they're just out to get him. I don't know. So yeah. I'm not going to really talk about it. I'm more interested and I've been tied. We talked about it last uh, night on Live Talk. But the First Amendment issue that's been going on in the Internet because this ain't over mm-hmm. and social media companies are now kind of flip flop. They're not sure what like, this is getting weird because people are standing behind. Oh, well. You know, this is a public forum, so we don't want to be held responsible for content on there, but yet we're going to go in there and police them. So it's this weird thing where they can't have it both ways, and people are starting to look at this very carefully. Even the president of the United States tweeted about this last week. You know what I mean? So this is going to come to a head real quick. So that's like Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about that. That's why I'm live talk or, as you you know, know, the Alphabet Company or Google and podcasting I'm passionate about. So that's why you get a rant out of me when you just bring up a, a third now Google podcasting app. Right. So yeah. I, so getting back to this, like Manafort or what, you know, whatever the political hot button issue is of the day, I hear people talk about it and they don't care, Rob. They don't care. I could hear them talk about their cat at the top of the show and they, mm-hmm. it's like an actually funny story, right? Yeah. Their cat was sick and coughed up a hairball and they thought it was, you know, you know, a mouse and they freaked out and jumped up on the stool in the kitchen. Something weird. Like I just made that up. That didn't really happen. But you know what I'm saying? Those are the little stories that I laugh at and like it's personable and it happened. 
and you're laughing with them because it's real. But then all of a sudden they go, well, let's look at what happened on Drudge Report today, right? And they just start reading a bunch of articles and my eyes glaze over. Yeah. They can barely read the article because they haven't actually read it before. Somebody mm-hmm. just flopped it. If they're in a studio, I guarantee you, the show producer flopped down an article in front of them and said, this is what, here, here are the points that we're hitting today. And the guy's reading it for the first time, which it sounds like he's reading it for the first time. He should have read the article three times before he even mentioned it on the article. If you want a little trick, guys, and the, and the Anyone who's worth their salt in radio or podcasting will do this. You read the article four or five times, and then you paraphrase it. You don't read the whole article. If you need a quote or something, get a quote, get a line. But you don't read the whole – but, Rob, you've heard it. They read the whole article on air. Yeah, I didn't know that they were doing that. Yeah. Maybe it's not even from top to bottom, but it's it's the the meat of it, like three or four paragraphs. And you you just hear them reading articles. You're like, come on, man. So anyway, I'm going to stop here for a second because I'm passionate about this. I could go on forever. But – when I hear somebody faint, what's the right word, rage or a rant, right? When someone it's fake, mm-hmm. like we said before, I can't fake it. But you'll hear people try to fake it, Rob. Or, you know, they think it's something that they should be upset about. So they start pretending to be and they raise their voice, but there's nothing behind it or something. Or they start, you know, I don't know. That's yeah, one thing that that's, being, I can notice. Being, yeah, but is that being boring? You know, is that what turns yes. li- li- listeners off as being boring? I don't know. I'm trying to uh, get to the can, bottom so line of what what uh, being boring well, is. I right. think it's like when you let like, so Alex Jones, right? You, he'll rant and rail and scream like no other, right? He's not boring, right? But I've heard yeah. other people do his shtick and they're boring because they don't really believe it. That, in my opinion, it's not it's not authentic. It's oh, like they're put okay. on an act and it's kind of boring. It's okay, just, so so authentic and and original thought uh, will keep you out of the boring zone. Is that what you're? Kind of saying in a general sense. If you're passionate about it and you care about it, you could read the phone book on air and people would care. But if you're not, you could have a secret declassified document that would shock the world. And if you don't care about it, it's just going to come off flat and Mm -hmm. people aren't going to really care. I don't know what it is. But when you're on the mic, there's something about there's something beautiful about this mic in front of me and in front of you, Rob. It doesn't lie. It just doesn't lie. People say the camera doesn't lie. The mic doesn't lie. I've heard people who I can tell when someone's lying mm-hmm. on. If you've heard someone on an interview and they ask him a tough question, it's a politician and you hear their voice squeak or they oh, I got to get back to you. And you, you just know they're lying. So I think the medium that we're in and you have them, obviously you're listening to them. They're right up against your ears. Most people don't listen to anything as intently as they do as podcast or, or talk radio. Yeah. So, like, I think people can sniff out when someone's just faking it or calling it in. It's just like watching a bad actor, right? It's just like going to the theater and you go and, like, most of the – it's, like, off-Broadway. Everybody's fantastic. And there's this one guy who comes out who's, like, phoning it in, who's totally unbelievable. You know, it seems like he's checking his watch to see when the show ends. So is it almost like – is it it passion in the voice? Is it inflection? I mean, I'm sure that there are people out there and that – can be passionate about things that are not true um, just because they have a particular kind of agenda that they're trying to play off. But um, so I'm not sure that um, truth is the driver of what you're talking about. I think it's more to do with your, your passion, right? For what you're trying to do with your show or how you're communicating, what your inflections are, whether or not you have highs and lows, you know, what's your, your viewpoint? Does it, does it actually make sense too, right? 
Right. Well, the highs and lows, you were talking about the voice. We talked about those kind of tricks and those are more tricks, right? Those are yeah. kind of hacking the system. I think it, like I, my personal opinion. And then there's other mm-hmm. stuff like having engaging content and, and being yeah. authentic. You made me think of something, Rob, think of, and this, we're not talking, well, it's not radio, but it's podcasting. Yeah. So we're in the podcasting realm still. Um, but it's heavy interview shows. Think of someone like Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if Joe Rogan, I think, believes what he believes and he's passionate and stuff like that, and I don't think him unto himself is boring, but without his interview interviewees, without his guests, yeah, he has no show. He right. has no show. So you, you talked about radio and like, oh, my God, my guest didn't show up or doing a call in and the guest didn't show up. What do I do? Imagine if there was a mild earthquake out here. I don't want a big one because I live out here in L.A. <laughs> and like the yeah. 405 was shut down and all three or four of his two of his guests. I forget how many he has on. But let's say he has a couple of guests on that day. They can't make it to the studio. and He doesn't have a backup. Nobody can get there. Is Joe going to Joe Rogan do a show that day? Is it gonna, just going to be Joe on the mic for four hours? You better believe it won't be because he'll bore you to tears. He has to have someone. He has to interview people. I'm not, this is not a slight against Joe Rogan. He is not a generator, right? He's someone that feeds off other people. So if Joe tried to do a four-hour podcast and, and you know, I don't know if I'd – I think it would be pretty boring. You know what I'm saying, Rob? And yeah, it's not that Joe yeah, like a solo show. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, like certain people, show. like we talked about, have have the ability to to do solo shows. Some people don't. You know, I don't have uh, the strengths of a – podcaster broadcaster to do a solo show i just don't and i i recognize that very early i've done them uh i don't think that they're they're the best episodes i've ever done so it's because it doesn't have that that depth of conversation is but so you're more comfortable doing right you're more comfortable doing that format because you know you're better at it that's why right i think if you yeah if you were better at solo you'd probably just do solo and that's like with joe rogan he knows he can't do a solo show so he does the interviews because it would be boring to have him on all you know And, and, and conversely here's the other thing you can hear people who should actually be solo people they should be generators themselves they should do the show themselves but they have a heavy interview show and it's a train wreck. And we met, I don't want to keep going back to him, but Alex Jones is one of them. He won't let his guests speak. He, yeah. Everyone tears him apart in the comment section over it. He'll ask them a question and they'll start to answer. And he goes, blah, 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 and he'll just jump in and start ranting. And it's, it's like it's horrible to watch. And, and there's other people that are like that yeah. who when they have an interview on, they will talk over them. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another one. Uh Michael Savage, I don't particularly like him when he interviews people. And I'm not a fan of this other guy, but he's great at interviews. That's Howard Stern, right? Mm-hmm. Howard Stern's great at interviews for whatever reason. He can get people to talk. And other people want to talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they shouldn't maybe be doing interviews. So it goes both ways. It's very – listen, it's hard for me to do interviews sometimes. And it's hard for me to take calls because I'm used to doing a show by myself and not having to – you know, other than this show. Yeah. You know what I mean? This show has taught me to work with the co-host better, but in the beginning it it was hard for me and it's hard for most people who have the, I I guess the mic themselves, right, Rob? Yeah, I think it's going to learn to listen. It's really all about, uh, if you have a strong personality and you are, you like to project and you like to give, give your opinion strongly out there. I think it's, it's hard to not communicate, right? Because you do, one of the things that you have to do, and you've learned this, I, I think, Alex, too, is sometimes you just have to be quiet. You know, you have to say, you know, it's time for this other person to to have have the mic, and I'm just going to be quiet and listen and and respond to what he's doing. 
And it's not all about what I want to say all the time. It's all about reacting to the conversation, right? And that's a different mindset. So if you have a tendency, and this is about identifying your personality, and and I think it is one of the key ways to grow a show is knowing what kind of personality you have and what's the best environment for you. Because I think, and you've identified, I think one of the big reasons that shows fail is that a person is producing a show that isn't really natural to them doesn't fit with their personality, doesn't, they don't connect with the right people in the show, or they're boring because they're not good solo communicators. They, they don't have that level of passion like you do, Alex, or Alex Jones has, or, or these, uh, um, these personalities, these big personalities that can just dominate the microphone, right? And dominate the audience, hold their attention, uh, and guests actually can come in and interfere with that flow. So that's, that's why it doesn't work with everybody. And it's all about personality, right? And I think we played into the next big thing too, about growing listeners. It's about personality and driving emotions. And I I think those solo hosts need to have the ability to, to have personality and to have emotions and to drive emotions in their listeners. And that's, that's a big thing. And I think Alex, you have that skill of driving emotion. I have a less of a skill in driving emotions in my listeners because I'm, I'm fairly mellow. I'm fairly calm. I'm not overly enthusiastic about anything, uh, which doesn't tend to drive a lot of emotion. I don't know, Alex, you know, we're kind of psychoanalyzing ourselves, but what do you think (laughs) about that? Right. The couch is open. Um, well, I will say that I think getting back to what you said just before that, um, I think you can do both. So I like, I don't want people to think that if you're someone who does a solo show, you can't do interviews. There's people, there's some people who do it both masterfully, right? Yeah, I struggle possible, at it because sure. I, Oh yeah. Right. But it has to be, it's kind of like, it has to be learned. It, it's very rare that someone does both well. And mm-hmm. I think it most has to be learned. And that's what I've actually heard from all of the conferences I've, you know, and the books I've read. And I always, you know, rave about her book. I know, you know, the book, um, Beyond Powerful Radio with mm-hmm. Pamela Geller, but she talks about yeah. that type of thing too. You can be both, but it takes work. And I've had to work at, I'm great at the solo rant. Sometimes I'm not so great at the call-ins and, and that shows and I've had to work on it. And when it comes to doing a co-hosting thing like this, I've learned from you, Rob, doing the show because you're the only person I've actually co-hosted a show with. Mm-hmm. On occasion, I've had guests and things like that, but not a consistent co-hosting show partner, right? So anyway, but going back to that, yes, you are more um, mellow, I guess. You're mellow yellow and I'm, you know, jolly green rage. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I can be very mellow too. I mean, I've done shows where I'm like just kind of bummed out about something and I'm very like blasé. And sometimes I think there's some of my better shows because I'm more concise. I'm thinking more. I'm not just kind of like going on a tear. And I think you and I work well together, at least on this show, right? I think mm-hmm. we work well. I don't know if you came on the Exum experience and you heard me freaking out, if you'd be like, wow, like, am I going to get a word in edgewise here, <laughs> right? It's a different show. Yeah. You know is. what I mean? It's just a yeah. different show. So anyway, um, you have a more, let's say a, what's the right word? A serene voice. Like I always think you have a calming voice. Like you have mm-hmm. a very chill personality. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're Mr mellow, very nice guy. Like, not that, you know, I don't want to say, you you know, Mr. Nice guy, like in a bad way, but you're just a nice guy. Right. And I I don't think you really get too riled easily. You don't get riled easily. No. Um, 
where I could be in a great mood and then something will just set me off and I, I, on the mic and like some, I'll, I'll get a text or something will come across my phone and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I got to talk about this on the show. I, a lot of people don't like my approach, Rob. Trust me. I hear it all the time. I mean, some people will some people like will just go to my comment section. I said this happens on YouTube more. I'm not on there. So thank God. But I used to get people who just come by and just like, do you think we care about what you're talking about? Why are you so upset? Chill out, dude. Like stuff like yeah, that. right. Yeah. You know, and it kind of takes the wind out of your sails. You're like, oh, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. so sometimes, you know, you go it, like I, I've had to rein it back. Certain topics I've talked about. I know if I get like on a jag, even this happens in real life, too. Like you might be at a cocktail party. Right. And someone brings up politics nowadays. You just kind of want to steer clear of it. So I feel like I can unload on my podcast because nobody can talk back to me unless it's later in the comment section. Well, but you're I mean, taking calls, so they can talk back now, to you. Now I am. Yes, you're right. For live talk, now it's getting – It's and yeah, that's true. I Who knows who can call in, right? So right. Far, far, it's been pretty cordial, I must say. Um, but you never know. And you know those the wrong caller can throw you off your game and make you want to shut it down and not do the show. I've got pretty thick skin now at this point, Rob, but in the beginning when I first started my pod, how many podcasters do you think, Rob, who first started and then they got like one mean tweet or one mean comment and they just shut it all down? I'm sure it's happened, right? Oh, sure. They just said, this isn't for me. You know, man, people are brutal. I, I put my heart and soul into this episode and they don't even like it. <laughs> so. Right. No, that's true. The other big thing you can do to grow your show, your listenership of your show, is to make sure you get on all the listening platforms. Um, go to where people are listening to audio like this. I mean, sure, those platforms are getting crowded and there's a lot of content over there, but uh, it's still important to be on all of the important platforms. So people know that if you're doing a podcast, that they're going to be able to find you on this platform or that platform that are known for making podcasts available. So you're you're basically wherever those listeners could be, right? And that that's very important and to also <laughs> leverage like a credit card commercial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to uh, leverage your relationships and your your kind of your influence in your own network, right? Um because podcasting uh, is really networking. It's building community. It's one-on-one -on -one communications is what builds your show. So as you think about this, you're building relationships one listener at a time. Those listeners can tell a friend or they cannot tell a friend. But you need to give them, you know, even ask them. You know, even in this show, if, if you're a podcaster listening to the Speaker Live show and you get um, some value out of the show – Tell your friend that's a podcaster or tell your neighbor that's interested in podcasting to go check out this show and we can we can help you along. We can give you advice. We can give you suggestions. Um, some people are going to like our show. Some people aren't. Um, but really, it's all about networking. It's going one-on-one, -on -one, people getting to know you and trusting you and to get other people to talk about your show, which is exactly what I was talking about here. It's word of mouth and invest uh, your time into your ideal audience. So w whether it's in a forum, Facebook group, or if it's in Google group, or if it's in the real world at the Chamber of Commerce or at some c conference or convention, invest your time and your energy and your efforts into where your ideal audience is. Who are the people that will have an interest in your show? Uh, like I go to podcasting conferences, Alex, and tell people about the Spreaker Live show. 
Um, that's what I do. Th- those are podcasters or may not be podcast listeners, but since this show is about podcasting, I'm assuming that podcasters might want to listen to this show. So at least that's the the focus that I have anyway. Whether or not that's effective or not is a whole other issue, Alex. No, I think it absolutely yeah. is. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because we always underestimate, and frankly, I don't think we talk about it enough, the real world aspect of podcasting. Because, well, let's just be honest. I, I, you know, some of those suggestions are great, but honestly, honestly, social media is dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's pay to play. You have to pay Mm -hmm. to get your stuff posted on Twitter. We were talking about this on the live talk show last night. And it's almost impossible to get seen now. And this is happening with Twitter. Twitter now has a premium, you know, service where you pay for the ads. I I mean, all of them, Instagram, I'm sure Pinterest, I don't know. I'm not on there really, but it's pay to play now. They've wrecked these systems. It used to be free. It used to be organic traffic. If you built up an audience, you, you could work with that audience. Now they've wrecked it. The system's broken. Now people have built up audiences on these platforms and you can't even reach them because they've completely dialed you back 99%. They want your money. So here's the deal. Now that you mention all of that, like you, for you, other podcasters can take advantage of trade shows, but you have the unique position that you're in the industry, right? So you can go to a ton of these and get in front of a bunch of people, but people don't tell people at the coffee shop or, you know, when they're out having drinks at the cocktail party, at the bar mitzvah, whatever, about their podcast and real world connections. And I will say we have an awesome little tribe here on the Spreaker Live Show. Most of the people that are listening to the live talk show come from the Spreaker Live Show. I have some people from the Action Experience, but I would say most of the people that are coming there at this point, when I say coming there, that are at least commenting, right? The, the frequent commenters. Why? Well, how do I know that? Because they comment here on Spreaker Live, right, Rob? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the first time I've seen them. So. Here's the deal. There's a cool little – and I'm calling them – we call ourselves the wild bunch. So there's a cool little group of people that have like come in and like we're all kind of connected and they they show up for live talk and and they're commenting and calling in. It's a cool little tribe. Let me think. Actually, only one person I've met in real world. I have met you in the real world, uh, Rob. So you're you're a co-host I've met in the real world. But most of the people I've interviewed – and, you know, we have interactions with Rob who comment with us. We haven't even met before. You're in a unique position because you're at the trade shows. You meet mm-hmm. some of the listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've met some of the listeners, obviously, when I went to Podcast Movement here 2017. But we don't take advantage of business cards, putting up, you know, maybe a little flyer or, or, your, or your, you know, handouts or something at the coffee shop, at the library, places people might be interested in your show. We don't do that enough. We think it's all online. Right. And we're all tweeting stuff out. Nobody's seeing it. We're all Facebooking it out. Nobody's seeing it. People are building up YouTube channels. Then they shut them down. So what's the point? So I think real world and going to some of these, I'm going to the next podcast movement because I feel like I missed out on some opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. And we don't give that enough credit. I mean, we always talk about social media. We always talk about, you know, how, how are you going to build your audience by maybe building up mailing lists? That's something I'm doing right now too, Rob. But even I don't do enough uh, real world promotion. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's hugely important. I mean, say some people I've known for years don't even know I have a show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people have known me for years and they're like, Oh, you have a podcast. Like right. they're just not into podcasting. They're, they're more they television or they watch movies. They're not into podcasting, you know? Right. So anyway, yeah, that's true. Let's move on from that topic. If you have any comments or feedback on how to grow listenership to your show, if you've discovered some magic trick that you have to grow your show and you might want to share it with others, uh, send me an email, rob at spreaker.com. 
uh, and we can talk about it on the next episode of the show and sh- and share it with others if you don't mind sharing your your little slice of uh, of a secret here, uh, your secret strategy to success, Alex. So of building an audience, but let's podcasting let's, hacks. That's right. Let's uh, let's move on and talk about the IAB, the the Interactive Advertising Bureau. This is a an advertising kind of standards organization that has been working on podcast metrics and how to count downloads and and things like that uh, for podcasting for the last two three years now. Uh, actually, it's been it's been well over three years now. It's been coming up on four years, I think. Um, but they've they've come up with uh, version two podcast metrics that basically sets metrics to count podcasts. So it's like uh, downloads are only counted if a, if a unique user downloads a podcast within a twenty four hour window. Now, um, so y- you can't have duplicate downloads of an episode from a a individual listener within that 24 hour window, you can only have one. So this is kind of like a standard that was established based on data that's come out of the podcasting space from about 34, 36 different podcast hosting platforms and networks. And so we're now, um, Spreaker is now supporting the V2 standards, but what's happening right now is that uh, all of these big platforms are now moving towards a certification for supporting these metric standards. And these standards are, are based on filtering out requests for episodes from bots, multiple pings for media files based on listener behavior, right? So let's say you're listening to a podcast on your phone, you get a phone call, you pause that episode. You know, it isn't like you pre-downloaded it. So you pause it and you come back and listen to it again, uh, like in, within an hour or something like that. A lot of platforms will have counted that as two separate downloads. What's happening now is that whenever that happens, it's only being counted as one because that's basically what's happened there, right? A person clicked play, they started listening, and then they resumed it a few minutes later or an hour later uh, and completed or listened to the the full show. Uh, so instead of counting that twice, we're only counting it once. So that's just an example of what these metric standards are, are going to do, but it's also going to level the playing field across all these podcast hosting platforms of how these things are counted. Because a lot of these platforms have been counting in different ways for the 14 years that podcasting has been around. Uh, so you go to this platform or that platform and you get different numbers and it hasn't built up a lot of confidence with advertisers. Um, because they're getting different numbers. So who do they believe, right? Who's got the accurate numbers? I mean, um, and some platforms have been abusing this. They've been inflating numbers. There's all sorts of stuff that's been going on that's, uh, that hasn't been good for the medium to build confidence in um, advertisers or confidence in investors or confidence in people that want to get into the industry. And if you're building a podcast, this is important because there's going to be some standards and that exists. So if you want to build an advertising business around your show, those advertisers now have confidence in your numbers. And that's going to be really important because that hasn't existed really up to this point. So that's what's happening and how it could impact your show, which means that there could be some impacts on shows that move from other platforms over to Spreaker that maybe they, they weren't supporting the, the V2 metrics. Uh, so their numbers could be a lot higher. They could have higher download numbers on these other platforms. When they move to Spreaker, their numbers are going to drop um, because we're supporting. But that's going to happen 
at Lipson, that's going to happen at Blueberry, it's going to happen at, at many of the other hosting platforms. So, so there's going to be a dust settling out that's going to happen from this certification process of which probably 15 of the major hosts right now are going through the certification process. We're at, at Spreaker, we're starting that process ourselves to make sure that we're in compliance. So whenever we go to an advertiser, we can say, yeah, we're certified compliant with IAB V2 podcast metrics standards. And so those advertisers can come in and say, yeah, I have confidence in buying advertising against shows that are hosted on your platform. So that's kind of Alex, any, any thoughts on that yourself or did I bore you to death with that? No, not at all. I think that a lot of people, this is going to be a rude awakening for a lot of podcasts. We briefly talked about this, but we haven't really got into it. And someone sent me an email the other day about buying views on YouTube and all this stuff. And everyone knows you, you've seen the ads on Twitter, right? You know, get 5,000, 50,000, a hundred thousand followers for 20 bucks or whatever they're saying. That doesn't escape the whole podcasting realm. Rob, you and I talked about maybe it was last month about a podcast company who said that, Oh, we guarantee to get you in the top 10. Remember that right. one of yeah, iTunes? For, yeah. For $5,000 a month or some crazy number, right? Yeah. For for, okay. We say crazy number, but trust me, there's some people who would pay for that. Because they see that and turning into are. revenue, right? Right, and there are, and they because they can see that turning into revenue on the revenue on the other end. They can say, "Look, here are my numbers and ab- advertisers, sponsors, or even just to say that you're an authority in the industry, right? And, it, mm-hmm. and you're getting business on your side business or side gig. So this may be a, not so good for a lot of people, Rob, because I want to know how many of these podcasters, because there's services for podcasters like that one. And how many of these are bots or people gaming the system, multiply that? Look, Rob, anybody could do it. So you have a gazillion computers. I got a gazillion computers here. I got a phone. I got a laptop, two laptops. I've got a tablet, right? If I wanted to, I could download. That's four downloads right there, right? Right. Just by firing up iTunes. So how many people are doing that and having their friends do that if they're just doing it just to get 50 or 60 or 100 extra listens. Okay, that's one thing. That's one thing. I don't know how much that's really game in the system, but you have people who are actually paying for this. Right. And they or they've generated bots themselves or they go to some, you know, it's the same thing I guess is paying for it, but some Russian hacker who's got 1000 100,000 bots all over the world. He just goes, "Yeah, I'll get you whatever how many 100,000 downloads overnight. 100,000 right. plays on your YouTube video overnight." They'll even leave comments Right. They've got Mm -hmm. bots that will go in there, leave comments, retweet your stuff. I mean, you can go and find Twitter bots that have millions of followers and it's a bot, Rob. They they took some picture off the Internet and they just retweet stuff. It's usually political and stuff. So anyway, the point I'm getting at is because of all the fraud, YouTube has been trying to crack on down on this. They still can't figure it out. And think of all the resources Google has to put in to stopping it because they have a lot of money invested in AdSense. So they want to make sure they have accurate numbers. They still can't figure it out. So I don't know how this certification, and I think it's a good thing, don't get me wrong, but I don't know how it's going to work when it comes to nefarious downloads or plays. I don't know how they're going to, I don't know how they're going to discern that. I, I really well, don't. There, there is um, kind of digital behavior that, uh, that has been recorded over large, large platforms um, that have been operating for, for many years that have seen this behavior and have been able to link it up with certain type of um, 
actors, right? Um, that sure, so, yeah. So there's but then there's have ways the that it can be be tracked and traced and verified. So, and that's uh, but then there's a tipping point. That the only yeah. problem is then there's a tipping point, and is what we're having now is where people and this happened. I was talking to Linda Irwin last night. She was co-hosting the show on Live Talk, and she said that her stuff is now being flagged as spam because there's a point where there's an inverse point where the tables turn, where all of a sudden these algorithms are saying, well, this could be spam. This could be spam. And then organic real traffic is being flagged as spam and it's having the reverse effect. So all I'm saying, it's not a perfect system. If Google and YouTube can't figure it out, I don't know how these guys have figured it out because they spent bazillions of dollars trying to get all these scammers off their sites. So, but let's say they do have a system that works, right? That, that is at least better than nothing, which is what we have now. So I I like the idea, but I'm, I'm still wondering, because I I am very suspicious of some of these podcasts that I've heard that aren't very good, Rob, that are in the top, whatever. And they have all these followers and listeners. Now, were they lit? Did people subscribe to them 10 years ago, never unsubscribed. And they're just being downloaded every time they fire up iTunes and nobody's listening. That could be happening. Sure. Did they pay for a bunch of people to uh, some of these bots to download them and they're still downloading them because they're still paying or they never stopped downloading them? And so they're getting 10, 15,000 downloads of nobody listening. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are making money. So I think it'll help. I think it'll help the little guy. But then there's going to be some other mediocre or not so or big guys who are going to not be so happy with the numbers. Well, if you're running, I mean, if you're running advertising on your show based on numbers that's being generated off of those things, you're not going to have any return on investment for those advertisers and they're going to drop your show. So, you know, you may think that you're accomplishing something, but you're actually shooting yourself in the foot because, um, because if you turn in, let's say a hundred thousand downloads that were artificially generated by some bot and weren't listened to, well, those bots aren't going to go out and buy that product. So you're going to have a losing scenario, right? So So, one of the, one of the, no, you're right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it's just Uh, not going to work in the long run. It's a very short term gain. You're shooting yourself in the foot. What, one of the ways that I think it, it, it works and I don't want people to do this because I still think it's dishonest and I don't think in the long run it does work. But one of the ways that it works, right, if you have a new age guru, right, somebody who's a life coach, you've seen these people, Rob, right, or, you know, somebody who's got a product or service to sell, maybe they just wrote a book. So they may buy 100,000 views on YouTube, hoping it goes viral, hoping that people see it or if they're going to they're going to get interviews. So people will interview them about their book. It could be something about let's say the Trump era. I just wrote a book about the Trump era because it's very popular to bash Trump right now. And I have a a trailer for the book that has 500,000 views on the trailer and it was released a day ago. That'll shoot right up to the front page of YouTube. Well, it should. It used to. And then I, I my book is on Amazon and, you know, it was released yesterday and you see 500 raving five star reviews that influences people. Right. I bought all those. They're all fake. Right, Rob. But mm-hmm. I bought all those. So now when I go to KTLA out here and they're looking for an expert on Trump and I say, oh, well, look, and they look up my profile and they go, well, he's got 500. This released yesterday. Look at all the reviews. This guy's an expert. Hire Exum. So people do that nonsense and they could be like a, a spiritual guide, a new age person. Right. I've seen business gurus, right? I'll help you set up your drop shipping business. Look at my, and they'll show you all like, look at all these people I've coached and they're all fake reviews and they, they show them in a rented car and a rented house. And they tell you that, look, you know, come to my product and you know, you'll take this five day course and you'll be making $500,000 a month from this at home business. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, these people do these kind. They run these scams and they're gone overnight. They run you over to a squeeze page. You, you spend ninety seven dollars a month for this system that doesn't work, and then you know he's gone, fly by night. So anyway, I understand how yeah. these these things can happen, and I know the whole scam behind them. Um, and I don't see why there aren't podcasters who wouldn't do it. I don't see why they wouldn't. If you're just yeah. going to be in it for the name and try to build a name for yourself, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I think this, this certification will change things for a lot of hucksters and jivers out there. Yeah, I mean, if we can take out some of the the fraud that's in the in the marketplace today, and 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 have consistency across all of these platforms, then the advertisers are going to say, "Yeah, I, I trust the numbers that come out of this platform, that platform, that platform," because right now that doesn't really exist, and it's keeping a lot of big budgets from coming into the the medium right now. Because make no mistake, there are yeah. some shady companies out there, as we know, Rob, and shady podcasters who are overinflating their numbers. Yeah. And, and they're doing it by hiring some of these companies out of Russia and all over the world that'll just, you know, get you these views. But, but Rob, you, you, you brought up a great point that like most people, if they're thinking about doing this, should really think, what is the point if you get an advertiser and they say, yeah, nobody used the promo code that you mentioned on your show? What's the point? Mm-hmm. They're never going to come back. You might have got a hundred or two hundred dollars for the three hundred dollars for the ad or something, and then what? Then where do you go? And then yeah, if anybody you're not ever building something that's going to be a, <clears throat> a sustainable model for you, it's, you're just and not. You, and you'll probably pay more money paying to generate those leads, right? <laughs> you know, to to get the views, you're probably going to spend five, six, a thousand dollars, like you said, five thousand to be on the top of iTunes. And if the advertisers go, well, yeah, I, I went with that guy and we got no response, they're not going to come back. Word yeah. gets out quick, too. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. Well, anyway, let's let's move on to the next topic uh, as time is running here. Um, uh, who was the product when an online service is free? Uh, and, Alex, I think this is an interesting conversation it, during this time, you know, as you look at platforms like YouTube and, and you look at platforms, you know, s- some of the newer podcast hosting platforms that are popping up that are saying, <clears throat> well, we can host your media file for free. Um, <clears throat> what is your trade-out? What is the trade-off for that, right? Um, you, the user, or the content creator, um, which is oftentimes the same, right? We think about YouTube, but there's other podcast hosting platforms that are thinking about this whole free model. Um, there is a trade-off for this. Um, really, no tech service is free to operate or maintain. So somewhere there has to be money, right, that comes through to pay people's salaries, to pay operating expenses, to pay um, the bandwidth bill, um, all those things that contribute to building a real business online. Um, someone has to pay the bills, right? It's either a VC investor or it's an advertiser buying ad campaigns on the platform, or it's the it's the user or the content creator helps cover those costs. Um, and so it has to come from one of those three places. And oftentimes what you see is some of the newer platforms that come up, they will offer everything for free because guess what? They got a millions of dollars worth of venture capital, right? So they got a bunch of free <clears throat> free money essentially for the promise of bringing in a huge return on that money's investment, right? So it causes companies to to do things that are not always in the best interest of their users or content creators. So you have to think about those kind of things. Alex, I'm I'm setting up a particular scenario that I I 
I've, I'm sure that you have an opinion on. So why don't you go ahead and share that, and we'll cover a little bit more of the details. But that's kind of the, the synopsis of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think you're dancing around a company that I'll talk about, which is Anchor. And I've read all of their materials online. He, One of the co-founders, I think his name is Ari, I forget. I actually tweeted at him. Never heard back from him, so not very responsive. That tells you what their customer service is worth right there. But I remember reading one of his articles, and he had some of these very – What's the right word? I don't want to insult him, but yes, infantile graphics, right? Basically lines saying here's the profit margin and here's what they're doing and here's how your podcast hosting company is basically screwing you is what he was saying. Yeah. And the analogy is or the the graph was rather um, you're paying for the very top podcasters. So the very top 1% tier gets a lot of downloads and takes a lot of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And we all know – hosting a anything in the cloud right now is relatively cheap. There's a lot of free options for cloud hosting and paid ones, Dropbox, Google Drive, things like that. And it's getting cheaper by the day. I mean, it's it's very inexpensive for hosting, uh, cloud space online. So what's that is, look, you're paying for something that you shouldn't be paying for because it's costing us pennies on the dollar or $5 a month. So oh, the, the company's making billions of dollars and the top – podcasting companies aren't paying their fair share. So in other words, if you're serial or you're in past, you're getting hundreds of thousands of downloads, that bandwidth, and that's like, that costs money. But if you're the average Joe podcaster, you know, you're getting 100, 200 downloads, if that, you're not costing them much, right? And probably you don't have as many shows. You're not podcasting every day like some more popular radio. You're maybe doing it once a week, once a month. It's not, it's not costing them a whole lot was saying. Um, okay, fine. But who builds out Spreaker Studio? I'm just thinking in our, your situation, not our situation. I don't work for the company, right? I could be working for, you know, I I don't work for any podcasting company, but I would say this otherwise. Who's building Spreaker Studio? Who's on the other end of customer support when I can't connect the mic with VB cable? Uh, who's on the other end of, I mean, and not only the social media, right. And keeping people posted and actually replying on social media, which I think anchor might have a problem with because I didn't get a response, mm-hmm. but what, like well, who's doing all that stuff? Cause it, somebody's got to pay, you know, this is like, it's almost like we talk about this on the X experience all the time. It's like welfare. Somebody's paying for that. Like you think it's right. just free money. No, somebody's paying and that's you and I, right. the taxpayers paying. And it's the same thing. So yeah, it's a free service, but for how long? And what happens if they – this is what I always think of when I see it's free, right? And you have a company like YouTube, you, you can be pretty sure they're not going anywhere. The, the biggest you know, worry you have to worry about is them shutting you down, not them shutting down, right? That's You have a YouTube or something that big. That's the biggest concern. Um, but some of these companies, we've seen them before, right, where they promise the world. They come and go. I don't, I, they come and go, but I don't know what happens to my – so what happens to my show if they go? Do they suddenly say, well, certain people will be grandfathered in. Now we have a pay – you know, a pay per – you know, a paying tier. Are they going to have to go to pay eventually? Because I've yeah. – listen, I've signed up with a thousand tech companies who – because I follow the tech blogs who I sign up with, Rob, and it's free, and then all of a sudden they want you to pay. Yeah. That just happened with LastPass. Now, now it's pay for a lot of stuff. If you didn't get grandfathered in, you got to pay. And there's pl- – I can't tell you how many I've had where all of a sudden the- – what just happened to me recently? Well, anyway, I'm not going to get into it. What happens when the – I mean what happens when the venture capital Drinks. gets all spent, right? <laughs> yeah. They have to start – unless they go back and get more venture capital. But there's typically only uh, a couple different rounds that you can do before you have to be self-sustaining. 
which means that the company either has to revert over into a different business model, which is maybe selling advertising or selling um, premium subscriptions. So, so there's, there is a risk uh, working with a company that's, that's built on venture capital, that things will not stay consistent, right? But if you're working with companies that are actually operating off of regular revenue, they're self-sustaining, they're not relying on venture capital, those companies typically will be around and you can trust those companies. And I'm sorry, but you made me think of something else, Rob, that I read in one of the articles. So now what they, because I've been, I've been following them very closely, make no mistake about it. One of the most recent articles that he put on Medium was the new model and where the money's now coming from, Rob, you're right. I'm sure they're, they're going off of this venture capital money that was siphoned into them. But now the thing is, it's like a Patreon type model. So they're going to have a payment system where podcasters are going to be making money. I'm sure they're going to take a cut and they think that's how they're going to make more money. You see what I'm saying? So yes, they're already thinking about how else they're going to do it, Rob. Right. And and, and I I guarantee you this down the line, I'm sure they're going to start running advertisements or allow you the option to run ads and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, (sighs) I'm all about free. It sounds great, right? Why, you know, why wouldn't someone be attracted to free? But I wonder what happens when, like you said, the money runs out, when they start charging, what happens if, you know, I, I want to take my show elsewhere. Is it going to be easy? Like things like that. Like I don't – it just makes me makes me nervous. Oh, here's the other thing about free services like that, Rob. You'll notice this. They want you – they won't say something like, oh, you can – I noticed this when I went over there to play around. It's not like, oh, we're going to give you a free hosting and you can – this will be your backup or something. They want you to – they want to take your RSS feed. I don't know if people know that, right? But they want you to put it in in their system, their wizard, and they not. I don't want to say hijack it because you're doing it willfully, yeah. but they're basically taking it from wherever else you're doing it. So let's say you were using a paid or free platform, and you're like, "Well, I'll just go to Anchor to back it up on the." Oh no, it doesn't really work that way, right? So don't right. think that. I don't know about them, Rob. And there's others. I'm not just picking on Anchor, yeah. but I don't, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, and they do have some terms of service. I mean, we've talked about terms of service on this show that are quite different than um, ours or the other hosting platforms in the medium, too. They they want to have more control over your content uh, because they want to potentially do more with it um, outside of your, your control. So that's one of the things that's in there that uh, you know you have to really consider what's the implications of putting all your energy and your time and effort into a platform that doesn't really you know respect your independence as a content creator well uh, because they're always trying to come up with some new creative way to make money and here's something I got to tell you because I read this article a while ago about radio and the foundations and origins of radio rob this is just kind of an interesting side note but it plays into this people don't know this but the whole Every ad that you see, every ad, I don't care if it's on an internet YouTube video, if it's a pop-up, I don't care if it's a television ad, I don't care if it's a ra- – every flipping ad that you see, except for maybe billboards and things like that and posters, yeah. but every visual ad, every moving ad that you see, even audio, especially audio, all came back – all came from the radio days. A lot of people don't know this. So when radio first came out – Right. I mean, before we had television and any and there weren't ads in movies, maybe trailers, I guess. But no, wait, do we we didn't have that. So in the first days of radio, when they first came into homes and they were finally affordable for the average Joe, they were making these very expensive soap operas and dramedies and, you know, these 
you know, weird circle, you know, and and scary stories. And you've heard them, the old time radio thing, the golden age radios, you know, the dramas. People don't know each one of those back then in like the early days in the 30s and 40s cost like five to 10 grand to produce each show. So it was a ton of money. And these companies, because they had invented it, were doing it just to do it. They weren't making money in the beginning. They said, we got to start making money at this. You know, we can't just sell radios and hope people listen. So what they did was they found and they came to them. It was a soap. That's why they call them soap operas. But somebody, a soap company said, hey, well, look, if you could just mention our product on your show and run, you know, we'll do this little just mention our product and tell people all the housewives that are listening to the soap opera on the radio. We'll give you a little money. So the soap op, the soap company started paying for the shows five, ten grand a pop. Why? Because it was worthwhile. They sold a ton of soap. Oh, <laughs> a yeah. ton. Like, yeah. It was unbelievable. They said, oh, my God, this works. That is the model they've been following ever since. Ever yeah. since. There's been no other advertising ever since then. So you now have company. And guess what? Everybody else does it. YouTube does it. Podcast. Spreaker does it. They run audio ads just like they did in the old times, the days of radio. Yeah. Nothing's yeah. changed, Rob. But th- now you have a company who says, well, we've got a whole new business model. You know, new since the history of the world. That's right. And we'll be successful at it. Uh-huh. Don't hold your breath, bub, because I've never seen anyone else do it. Never. Right. Never. But there's they, been, they figured something else out. Sorry. There's been a lot of companies over the last 14 years in the podcasting space that have come into this space with the same um, ambition. Uh, and it and nine times out of ten, they, they wind up running out of money. Um, actually, even even SoundCloud ran into some of this issue here um, over the last year. Uh, that was one under. That's that's been a, a repeated situation. The only reason that SoundCloud still exists today is some venture capital company came up with additional money to to give to them. Eventually, those un, unless SoundCloud can be self sustaining, eventually those investments are going to stop, uh, and they're going to completely run out of money, or they're going to have to be acquired by somebody else. And what happens to your podcast on there? I mean, right. there are people who had thriving 365 live shows and then they went under. Their yeah. shows were just gone. Effectively, yeah. there was nowhere else yeah. to go. So yeah. if that happens to SoundCloud, I don't know what – all those people who built up their audience there are kind of screwed. Yeah, I mean and, and what platforms have been around for 10 to 14 years? You know, um, <laughs> that's – those are the ones that have been able to to stand the test of time. They've been responsible with their spending. They they've tried to drive value to to their their customers. I mean, we think of of our content creators as our customers. A lot of these other companies and a lot of what radio has done has thought of their advertisers as their customers, right? You, the listener, is a product, right? So as you right. think about these these new free companies, That's true. Get, guess who the product is? It's the listener. Uh, it's not the creator, right? But even the, so. but even that model is broken. So Facebook is now pay to play, right? I mean, they're making yeah. tons of money through advertising yeah. and stuff. But even the personal, you have a personal page. Now I'm not talking business page. Are saying that like nobody's seeing my stuff. I don't see my friend stuff. And they're even being told, do you want to boost this post for five bucks? Right, I mean, right. That's yeah. the new model. It is. And they're taking your content and using it and making money. It's just the whole thing is twisted. It's broken. That system's yeah. broken. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, well, Alex, I think we've, uh, we've taken up, uh, probably enough yes, of our listeners show. time for this good week. Show. So thank you so much for tuning into the speaker live show this week. It's always great to have you with us 
on our on our journey and our rants through the podcasting space and um, and and the speaker platform. So appreciate you spending time. If you have any thoughts or comments, please send them to me, uh, Rob at Spreaker dot com, or you can send them to Alex, Alex at AlexXM dot com, uh, or you can just go into our Spreaker Live Show dot com page and uh, post a comment in there, which many of you do, and I appreciate that every week. And we'll get back in there and talking about your comments uh, on next week's show. So thank you so much for spending time with us. And Alex, I hope you have a terrific rest of your week. And uh, you too, Rob. And everybody else have a terrific week. And keep listening to those podcasts out there. And and go start a podcast if you don't already have one. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll hopefully have you back with us next week. 